Welcome to the Tournament Poker Edge podcast, brought to you by TournamentPokerEdge.com, the only podcast dedicated exclusively to poker tournament strategy. Now here's your host, Clayton Fletcher. Hello once again, everybody, and welcome to the Tournament Poker Edge podcast, sponsored by America's Card Room, where, for at least the next few days, we still have our winter online super series. We've got... PLO, PLO 5 card. We've got uh, all kinds of big guarantees. Check it all out on America's Card Room. There's a link in the description to this podcast where if you're not yet playing on ACR, I don't know what you're waiting for, click the link, use the promo code TPE, and you can get a 100% first-time deposit bonus up to $2,000. I'm your host, Clayton Fletcher, in fabulous Las Vegas, and today I busted out of a tournament at the win, and I recognized someone at a different table, and he is actually an ACR team pro, a sponsored pro on ACR. He's out here in Las Vegas. I want to introduce, for the first time on the podcast, Michael Longcar. Did I say your name right? You did. It's great right. to be here, man. Awesome. <laughs> Obviously, thanks again for coming over and saying hello, and uh, thanks for having me on. This is great. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, it's not every day you're playing poker, and a man you've never met before is like, well, could you come back to my hotel room? <laughs> <laughs> but that's what we're doing. Yes, here we are. Thanks again, I, man. I promise this is a safe space. <laughs> so, yeah, really good to meet you. Um, I'm a huge fan of your tournament on ACR. I've played the long car special I don't know how many times. Uh, I want to get to that, but first I want to talk about your origin story, if you will. Yeah, tell the people how you came to be associated with ACR as a team pro. Yeah, so I've played on America's card room for years and years and years, and I finally hit uh, an absolute massive dream score that we all dream of. Uh, January of 2018, $265 buy-in million dollar guaranteed and ended up taking first place for $138,000. Wow, that's not bad for a $200 buy-in. <laughs> not bad at all. It's my biggest score to date and one of the one of the cool parts about that win was the night before I was playing a live tournament at my local casino in Sacramento at Thunder Valley and it was a $500 buy-in, $100,000 guaranteed, first place was around $20,000 and I was down to the final two tables and got it all in preflop against a really good friend of mine, actually, good pro in Sacramento, my, my boy Sasha, and we got it all in preflop. My ace queen offsuit against his ace four suited for about 17 big blinds each, four on the turn, four on the river, had one big blind left, get knocked out, and you know, obviously, I'm sick to my stomach. It and stings, yeah, it stings, it's so fun. and it yeah. hurts, and. It ends up that that tournament ended up going till four in the morning that night on a Saturday night, and the two sixty five million on Sunday the next morning on ACR began at ten a.m. And I know there's no way that I would have, you know, it's talk about a butterfly effect. I always talk about the butterfly butterfly effect, the ripple effect of yeah. this thing happens, then <laughs> this thing happens, and as I always say, when something bad happens. No matter how bad it is, there's always going to be good things that come about as a ripple effect from that bad thing. So be patient and wait for it. It'll happen. And sure enough, it happened the very next day. <laughs> you didn't have to wait too long. Didn't have to wait too long. <laughs> I, I know now looking back, if I would have held with the ace-queen, I would have had a stack. Everything would have been different. I probably, there's a chance I might not have even played 
the million dollar guarantee on ECR the next day, or I would have late reg and everything would have been different. Yeah. And so yeah. obviously, you know, that bad beat turned into the greatest win of my poker career at this point. So pretty so amazing. So that Saturday night tournament that you that you had that tough bust out hand. What was the uh, first prize in that tournament? First pr- first place was just over twenty thousand. So that yeah. one that one stung. And the one that you won was a lot more first than that. That one was a lot <laughs> more than that. And another cool thing about this is I I woke up the next day at like nine a.m. Only got five, six hours of sleep, and at the time, this was right before I started using Bitcoin for my deposits. At the time, I was running down to the Walmart right down the street and using MoneyGram. Oh, I never tried that method. Which is just okay. like Western Union, yeah. and in my head, I'm like, man, by the time I go down there, do this and that, I'm going to be late regging. So I actually contacted one of my poker students at the time, a good friend of mine in town, and said, hey, like, can you transfer me some money? And he said, no problem, I got you, and he sent me two bullets, I only needed one. And the rest is history. And man, is, I, in a lot of ways, I believe that that will go down as, in a lot of ways, the most special win of my life because this was my pre-streaming days. I won a six-digit amount of money in my bed with my then fiance, my now wife, and we just enjoyed it together. You know, there's no stream; it was just us. And she even says now, she's like, "Man, like that'll probably be the last." six-digit you win you have on your laptop that's not streamed and it's just me and you because obviously i'm streaming now i want yeah. to stream those moments so that that will go down as always just an epic epic win with the love of my life just me and her just enjoying the moment and obviously celebrating together and of man. course yeah what do you do after you win a hundred thousand dollars online what's the party like oh man we partied <laughs> hard we, we partied hard man it was it was an amazing next couple of weeks, and uh, obviously I'll never forget that. And uh, fantastic! Yeah. So, so I'm I'm thinking that the uh, the powers that be at ACR uh, caught wind of. So your I actually, so I actually reached out to America's Carter myself. Yeah. About a month later, and got into contact with uh, my now very good friend Juan, who is just the man, love him to death, and he said, "Why don't you come down for?" commentating for our cage event because I told him, you know, I'd, I'd done a bunch of commentating at different venues and had experience with commentating. Well, you sure have the voice for it. Great Thank voice. you. I appreciate yeah, that. Yeah, I've, yeah. Always, I've always loved commentating. I've yeah. always loved, uh, you know, doing that. And so I, I went down there and was actually uh, one of the commentators with Jeff Boski. Right. Shout right. out to Jeff. Another and ACR yes, pro. Jeff's my boy. I play yeah. his tournament too. <laughs> yep. And yeah, so we commentated the cage and Obviously, I talked to ACR about, like, you know, hey, obviously, it's kind of a question I feel like a lot of people have. like, hey, how do I become a team pro for you guys? And they said, well, the next step for you is definitely to start streaming on Twitch. And I started streaming later that year, and I've enjoyed every minute of it ever since. And something I'm very natural at and, uh, you know, multi-tabling and talking with the chat and doing different things on on stream. It's it's definitely – streaming is definitely a lot more difficult than it appears yeah, because, so. you know, it's one thing if you're just lying in bed with your wife or your fiancé. Yeah. And, you know, you, you can just kind of have a private conversation or you can be quiet. You can say, listen, honey, i, I got to focus right now. This is yes. getting really heavy. You know, but when, if you're trying to entertain people and also yes. earn your living at the same time, it's another layer. Yes. I mean, I'm sure that your decision-making has to be somewhat impacted by the fact that you're also focusing on your audience. A lot of people don't understand until you start doing it just how much the psychological aspect of knowing that hundreds of people are watching you make decisions around it really does impact you. And in fact, the first 
year or two of streaming, I would say a lot of key spots were really affected on me in a negative way uh, because I knew people were watching me. And obviously you have to get to a certain point where it's like, okay, I got to block this off and pretend that I'm here alone in my office and I'm going to make a crazy fold right here because I know this is the right play and not care about what the uh, quote-unquote chat pros yeah, have to say about it in the chat. Yeah, they're all going to comment. Yeah, oh, so you're I, such a nit. Yeah, right. It's something you definitely have to just block off and get thick skin on and, and trust your reason, trust your guts, and make your moves and not worry about what people are going to think. It takes time. It definitely takes time. Amazing. But I, I can definitely imagine. Uh, I don't do a lot of streaming. I'm not even set up for it at my place. But sometimes I jump in with the, uh, the TPE stream. Yeah. So... You know, I, I have some experience of having that, the, the chat pros, as you yeah. call them. I love that. Uh, yeah, you don't want to let anybody else uh, have a say. It's your money, right? Yes. They're watching. They're lurking. They're observing. They're supporting you. Yes. They're mostly on your side, right? They're yes. on your stream Absolutely. because they, they want to see you win, of, of course. course. But they're also going to be critical at times, and you, you can't really let that you know you know what you're doing you're a team pro you're a poker coach they're just whoever's watching you on twitch at the time yeah so yeah it's you know i made it pretty deep in the same year that you had your good year i got 27th place in the 2018 world series of poker main event oh wow and so i was on tv and everybody was very critical of all my hands of course and, you know i you know the twitter verse was going crazy oh there's this comedian and he's doing well you know they're all just picking apart my every single hand look until you're sitting there and the producer from espn comes up to you and says this is going to be the clayton camera and microphones in your face and bright lights on you and knowing that millions of people around the world could see you screw up don't talk to me about whether or not you can handle the pressure That's nice pressure. <laughs> yeah, yeah i mean i enjoyed it but it, it kind of felt like uh i was living someone else's life like i was acting in a movie or something the chat you know i talk about this on the podcast like Anytime I post a video on YouTube or on TikTok or anything, I just don't read the comments. <laughs> yeah, when you when you have a social media presence of any kind, you definitely have to develop even thicker skin than before. For sure, you can't you can't let things bother you. You just got to brush it off. Yeah. Well, where does your thick skin come from? Like you said, you weren't always um, a Twitch streamer. No. So once you got into that, as 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 recommended by Juan at ACR, yes. right? Uh, once you got into that, was it hard for you at first to kind of get the feel of because it's one thing to do commentary, right? Yes. Because you're not playing. It must be really different when you first start out. Definitely different than commentating, playing while commentating, and all the other things you need to do behind the scenes of panning around different tables and, and different effects. But I definitely feel like it's definitely a very natural. It was definitely a very natural thing for me. And like I said, there's a lot of little things and nuances you need to, you know, just kind of block off. But um, yeah, it was honestly just a very natural thing for me, and just felt like. Oh, I should have probably streamed a few, started streaming a few years ago because this feels so natural. So yeah. So if people want to follow you on Twitch, what's the uh, handle there? Uh, on Twitch, I'm Long Car Poker, L O N C A R Poker, and uh, Instagram and Twitter, I'm just Michael underscore Long Car. Oh, so, great, yeah. great. Now let's talk about the Long Car Special because yes. I played in this tournament so many times. It's an eighty-eight dollar yes. buy-in. I want to talk about the price point. How did you guys come up with eighty-eight dollars? And how much? How much say did you have in what kind of tournament it would be, the structure <laughs> and stuff like that? Or did they just create a tournament, and put your name on it? So the story is, this was just called the eighty-eight dollar, twenty thousand dollar guaranteed mega stack. Okay, that's what it was called when I first started streaming. 
and it started at 4.45 p.m. Pacific time. I live in California, and I just always loved the start time because I could kind of, you know, my wife got off work at 5, so lots of times I would take care of our boys uh, during the day and do this and that, and then, okay, my wife's going to be home in 15 minutes, so I'm going to register right here for this, and uh, I, I, I always loved the structure of it. It's, it's a deeper stack structure, hence the mega stack title. And it's always a nice, it was always a nice, you know, chunky first place prize. And I always did really well at it. And the structure of it definitely favors my game. And when I started streaming and, yeah, you know, first place, final table, final table, I said, you know, this is my tournament. I'm going to start calling it the Long Car Mega Stack. I'm dubbing it that myself. Nice. <laughs> and I, call, I, called, I called it the Long Car Mega Stack for over two years before I got the amazing uh, message from ACR that they're going to, they're going to, officially name it the long car mega stack yes. and obviously that was an amazing day in fact i was actually at the beach in san francisco two hours away from my house when they notified me of that and we were just about to head home and i was like okay well it's officially the long car mega stack today so i have to play it today of course you do so i got home yeah. rushed home i late regged it one hour after it started right and i ended up getting heads up on the very first day, it's officially the no Longcar Mega Stack. Had the guy covered heads up, got a coin flip. I think I had Ace 10 against his twos for the win, all in preflop. He wins. Had another coin flip, heads up preflop for the win, lose the other, another coin flip, and I had a third coin flip for the win. I lose all three coin flips. <laughs> I take second place. I said, okay, it's okay. ACR turned the doom switch on me. They thought it was too much for me to win the first long car mega stack. Just kidding, just kidding, obviously. But yeah, I just always loved that tournament. Now, just a final table. Of course, of course. The first day it's named after you. And obviously, I'm so so honored. It's incredible. I feel so honored every day when I see it in the lobby and I play it. I'm like, man, like, very surreal to have my own tournament on ACR and and very proud of that. It's so awesome. It's a great tournament. It is a great tournament. I play it all the time. I call it the long car special. It is a mega stack. A lot of people call it the long car special. Yes. The, the, uh, you know, the stack is, is it twice as big as the usual starting stack? Yeah. And then the blinds are pretty slow too, right? 12 minute blinds, nice and steady structure up. And yeah, it's a deep stack structure the whole way from beginning to end. Now you say that you feel like you have an edge in deeper stack tournaments. Oh, 100%. Uh, what is it about your playing style? That- 100%. So I've always been, I started off as an online sit-and-go guy and played nothing but sit-and-goes for the first six, seven, eight years of my poker career. And then Black Friday happened, moved to Canada for six months to continue playing online at the time in 2011. When I moved back to the States at the beginning of 2012, online poker wasn't thriving to say the least in the United States at that point in time. If you were around, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah. Um, So I transitioned into playing 50 hours a week full-time of live cash games. And I developed a very good, deep-stacked cash game. And that definitely translates over to deep-stacked tournaments. And in fact, my last two live tournaments uh, prior to today uh, at Thunder Valley... $1,700 World Series of Poker Circuit main event. And this last week, $2,500 buy-in run good series, million-dollar main event. I final tabled both. Wow. And So you're really running good right now. Running good right now, which feels good. Always good to be on a little heater. But those two tournaments both had one-hour blind level increases. You know, the first hour was 400 bigs. The next hour was 300 bigs. The next hour was 200 bigs. Yeah. And so, you know, the deeper that you are 
the more of an edge you're going to have over inferior players. There's no doubt about it. There's people just make so many more mistakes when you're that deep. Yeah. People can't fold top air top kicker on certain boards where they should and other scenarios like that. And so many tournament players do come from that yes. shorter stacked uh, sit and go background. Yes. Playing thirty bigs, playing forty bigs. Yes. Playing if you 50. put if you put a very good player and whatever you want to call it a newbie mm-hmm. or a not so good player in two different situations. One situation where they both have three hundred big blinds, and another situation where they both have thirty big blinds. There's just so many more mistakes, obviously, that the inferior player can make in the deeper stack situation, yeah. and so much more edge that a good player can take advantage of in those spots rather than thirty bigs, thirty bigs. Right. So it's less automatic, so, right? Yes. Yeah. And so both of those tournaments, I was able to just build up huge stacks in the beginning and end both day ones with really big stacks and carry those on. And uh, obviously, I'm excited to uh, continue to play more deep stack live turns moving forward, as well as all the good deep stack tournaments on ACR. Yeah. Well, by the time this podcast is released on Friday, you will hopefully be playing uh, very deep in the uh, $10,000 World Poker Tour Championship. So let's talk about what's going on at the win right now. This yes. is the first time the WPT has ever done a stop at the win. It's the first time any tournament in the live world has had a guarantee as high as $15 million. Um, it, you know, it's a lot of firsts going on uh the win has never been part of the wpt i don't know we we just got here a few days ago i feel like they're knocking it out of the park uh, what are your first impressions oh man a plus plus 100 couldn't be better obviously the encore venue is just high class super super nice man i mean it's one of the nicest poker venues I've it's kind of odd seeing all those schlubby poker players in there because you know the average customer at the at the encore is a well-dressed gentleman you know and then we come in with our sweats and our beards and everything we look yeah old. i believe i believe <laughs> i believe the encore is like four or five hundred dollars a night for the hotel room yeah, there it's yeah. very swanky very nice um but yeah man awesome venue nice deep stack tournaments that's why i got here just like you got into town last night i'm here to play this 1k 2 million i just busted along with you today right right i'll play it again tomorrow give myself another chance and then um i'm really excited to play the last starting fight for the 10k 15 million on wednesday and like you said i'll flame still in it when this comes out on friday on day yeah. three i hope i'm in it right there with you yes. i mean i would love for that to happen maybe we could do another podcast after we both play the final table of this tournament that's the tournament to run good you know yes. things have been going well for you lately which is great congratulations you, but you know you want the the 15 million guarantee tournament that's the one you really want to have a good run at yes absolutely yeah and obviously you know there's all all the best of the best from all over the world have migrated here for this tournament you know, I think the win. I think that the staff at the win is uh, actually surprised at the turnout. It seemed like you know there were hundreds of alternates yes. for the one k, and you know it looks like they're going to shatter the guarantees across the board for this thing. Yes. Maybe it'll be a permanent every year in December, right before the holidays. We can all come out here and have one last shot at saving your year. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Yeah, yesterday eleven what twelve hundred players today when I. Got knocked out with late rich still open for all. There was already 1,300 players, so close to $3 million in the prize pool just from today's two flights. So, yeah. tomorrow, so this is easily, this could be, you know, this could be a $5 million. Yeah, crazy. Yeah, the guarantee for the what they're calling the WPT Prime, yes. it's 1,100 buy-in. Uh, it's three starting days. 
Yeah, it looks like they're going to shatter that two million guarantee. I, mean, I think they already have. Yep. It's it's gone, and there's still a whole Saturday yes. left to go as we record this. So a lot will have happened by the time our listeners are on this. But I wanted to grab you today, yes, and, and at least introduce our listeners who might not be as familiar with ACR and the ACR team to uh, give you a chance to say hi to them. Yeah, yeah. So what about a hand? Do you have a hand from your travels that we can go over, or maybe something you played online? Um, yeah, you know, in fact, I was actually talking about this hand with a friend uh, just yesterday, and it's actually a hand that really catapulted my stack on day one of this $2,500 million guaranteed that I final tabled a few days ago at Thunder Valley. Now, for those who don't know, including me, where is Thunder Valley? Thunder Valley Casino is just outside of Sacramento. It's about... Oh, is that your home casino? That's my home yeah, casino. okay, right. It's about 20, 30 minutes outside of Sacramento in Lincoln, California. Um, it's actually, a lot of people don't know, it's actually a top five highest revenue casino in the United States every single year. I mean, wow. the slot machines are just flooded. It's a big It's a big Indian casino. Yeah. And there's always lots of action, especially when big tournaments run to town. And there's there's amazing tournament series that come to Thunder every month or two, all year long. So, so business is booming now. Business is booming, yeah. yes. Now, do you think there's a home field advantage in oh, poker? Like, you you know some of the players. A thousand percent. Yeah. Man, I'm always so jealous when I come out to Vegas, all my friends here that have houses and just get to chill at their home and wake up and come out. There's a huge home court advantage to yeah. just well, of waking course. up in your own bed and rolling out and, yeah. you know. Not having to worry about accommodation. Same routine and yeah. you're feeling comfortable and yeah. you know everyone and yeah. everything, you know. Yeah, but what about the the player pool? Like, is it small That's another enough thing. that you... It's absolutely small enough where I have a lot of history with a lot of the players yeah. that I'm playing with. That's a huge... That's big. That's bigger than anything. Yeah, that's really big. So... So for me, like, I travel a lot, so I don't often play in the same place too many times, so I never really get to know yes. my opponents as well as, so as I would if I had, like, a real yes. home casino. But they are. I live in New York City, okay. and they are talking about building a casino in Times Square. And if that happens, wow. that's going to be great news oh, for Clayton. <laughs> I actually, I played poker a couple times in New York at a couple private rooms in Manhattan. Yeah. And let's just say that I was willing to play in a 1-2 game where they were raking $25 a hand <laughs> because that's just how soft it was with the business guys dumping off. So yeah. some good games in Manhattan. Uh, there's plenty of money. There's plenty of money in New York City. All right, so yeah, let's hear about this hand. Spoiler alert, you already told us it's going to catapult your oh, stats. I, I, so I guess it. we're going to win this it. hand. That's okay. We can do it anyway. Okay, so the hand was it folded to my cutoff, one seat to the right of the button. So what are the blinds and what's the So situation? I I started the hand with about 80 big blinds and had built up to about a double starting stack at this point. Before the dinner break, I'm guessing. Before the okay. dinner break, I had about 80 big blinds, folds to my cutoff, one seat to the right of the button with ace king of clubs. And the player to my left had just been, I would say, selectively psycho. <laughs> That's what I like to say, selectively psycho, because he really didn't play his V-pip. He didn't play a ton of hands, but I was fortunate enough to where he made some insanely big river bluffs, and from where I was sitting and how he was looking at his cards after the hand was done, I got to see flashes of what he had, and I was like, oh, my God, Like this guy's just raising 4-3 of hearts from under the gun and calling a bet on a king jack jack flop obviously with the intention you obviously have to have an intention of bluffing if you're calling this and then betting 2x on the river and he did this kind of play a couple of different times hold on cut to a shot yeah. of clayton googling flights to sacramento <laughs> <laughs> so he had done a couple of plays like this i got to see the hand a couple of times sneakishly 
and obviously was aware like wow this guy is just when he it's kind of it's, it was the kind of thing where he's just deciding I'm he's just oh this Jeff Boski hey. he's deciding Tell him he's up next <laughs> <laughs> you know he was just basically deciding I'm gonna play this hand and when he decided he's gonna play a hand and he's gonna w- try and win the hand and so it folded to me ace can clubs and the cutoff I open he three bets me to seven big blinds on the button and it folds back to me. Okay, and uh, do you have him covered? I'm sorry, you may have already. He said has it. me covered. Okay, so by we, a substantial amount, he had been building up a big stack by right. going crazy. So the effective stack is your 80. Effective stack right. is my 80 big blinds. Right. He okay. So I mean, do we really want to get or try to get all in with Ace King suited 80 big blinds? That seems. I'm, I'm sure it's fine. I, I bet it's okay. It's okay, especially against him. Against him. But is that really the best way to play? I mean, that really kind of blunts some of your skills that you mentioned about being able to play a deeper stack. Yes. So maybe the play is just a three bet small, a uh, four bet small, or maybe we just call and see a flop. So obviously the two options, there's no fold option here, obviously. Yeah, at least. If you know poker, if you're not, if you're folding this, you should play the game. You need to get a coach. <laughs> yeah. uh, so obviously I was trying to decide on my four bet sizing. And then the more I sat there and thought about it, I said, you know, like first off, I don't want any chance of him folding. Number one. And then I sat there and went down that path, and I'm like, well, I actually don't think he's going to fold almost to almost any sizing that I choose. Based on the read, what you already told us about the 4-3 suited and calling re-raises with that, yeah. And from observing him, he was kind of a blaster. Yeah. So I'm just going to let him blast off, and so I decided to smooth call. I decided that was the best option against yeah. this guy. And I mean, I'm sure that too many solvers won't won't tell you like yeah you should just call the three bet with you say gto there's no call here yeah of course there's no there's not even a sliver of a call here but i decided against this guy this is the best play and i'm gonna let him blast off i love this when we can when we find this has been happening a lot lately here on the podcast when we can find a spot where we all know what the gto strategy is what the robots would do yes but then for a very specific reason you opted to go this other direction with it because of you know, exploitation. Yes, and obviously when I flat call here, almost no one is going to put me on ace-king suited. And if uh, I catch the right board, I can win heaps. Yeah. So I decided to call, and now there's 16 or 17 bigs in the middle, and the flop came queen, eight, six, with two spades. I have ace-king of clubs. I absolutely hate this flop. Okay, so we flop nothing at all. Nothing, no draw, two overs, hate life right now. Yeah. I check, and... He, uh, something interesting about this player was he always acted very quickly no matter what his decision was he acted snap decisions mm. which is very interesting i check he snap checks back which obviously i love turn what, what, what are you putting him on there when he checks back do we feel like he would have bet any piece of the flop i feel like he's automatically saying i don't have a mega strong hand here obviously there is that microscopic chance he has like top set queens yeah. or or a set of eights and he's getting trappy but if you'd been playing, if you've been playing with this player and watching, you're willing to take your chances. It's the other way, which is he doesn't love this flop. He wants to pot control, and he's checking it back because he's semi weak. Yeah, yeah, and that, that's what I would think too. Yes. Yeah, okay. So we check. He checks. Turn card is the king of hearts. Oh, so we finally made something. All right. <laughs> Literally the best single card in the deck, the yeah. non-spade king, and there was no doubt in my mind. We have to check again. Yeah, I'm never gonna bet here ever, ever. I'm never gonna bet ever in the spot. Yeah, now l- let's go into that a little yes. bit. Are we just pretty sure that he's not gonna blast off and try to bluff us if we bet small? Like, would you ever try like a tiny bet to let him sense weakness that doesn't exist or anything like that? I don't want to bet to give any strength of my hand. I don't want to give right. any signal that I've got a hand here. I want to just 
check as if I would if I had, say, pocket sevens and didn't love this board. King definitely favors his three betting range, and I want to just let him do his thing and show weakness and not give away anything. So right, I check. And Let's check. go down that road yes. a little bit more if yes, we can. Yeah, I like I like really getting into no, this things. Is great. So even though you and I know that that king is better for his range than yours, given that you flat called pre flop, you shouldn't really have a lot of ace king, right? Correct. Which is one reason why it's cute that you did that. <laughs> but in his mind, he's probably not thinking in those terms based on your description of him. No. So. Why is it important to think in those terms even when your opponent isn't? Yeah, obviously it's it's very important, and I feel like that's one of the biggest strengths of very good pros is to put yourself in your opponent's shoes and think about what they are thinking. Not don't don't think so much about what cards you have. Think about what your opponent is thinking about what cards you have. Think about what your opponent is viewing from their perspective and that's actually a very difficult thing to do while you are in hand playing your hand yeah you're like I have top pair top kicker yes. that doesn't matter it's doesn't really matter. range versus range yes right but he's not going to be thinking oh well this king is better for my range than it is for Michael's right he's not thinking that way we don't think he's that kind of player yes right so what he is thinking in my opinion is well this guy Michael all he's done is call my raise and now check to me twice yeah. I mean and, and he's a blaster so he's, he's going to blast blaster, and I mean I'm a poker coach, and as I tell my students, if you were to look at every spot that you are heads up, one-on-one, -on -one, in position against your opponent, and it's checked twice to you, your opponent checks to you on the flop, and you check back, and then they check again on the turn, if you just close your eyes and bet, you will win money. <laughs> yes. That's a you're, fact. You're printing. Yeah. In the long run, over the course, if you put enough hours in, put enough hands in, in this exact situation, if it's checked to you twice, heads up, and you just close your eyes and bet, you will win money. That's a fact. Right. And so, again, I'm, I'm trying to portray weakness. I'm trying to let the blaster blast. So I check, and he just pots it. Wow. He bets the pot. There's 10K okay. in the middle. He bets 10K. He bets exactly the pot. <laughs> okay. And it was, a, again, it was a very quick decision, and I'm loving this. And I call. Yeah, I mean, we're not worried about much. Correct. You know, I mean, he, it, like you said before, maybe on the flop, he checked back it's with, so unlikely. with three Especially queens. against this guy. It's, it's so unlikely. It's a tiny part of his range. Yeah, yes. that's the maybe the one hand. I mean, oh, does he really have a set of queens? But I'm sure not going to ever fold a king against this guy. Right? And I think it's important against this player in this situation, with my hand being so strong, I think it's important to just call on the turn. First off, he's potting it. That's a that's a strong. He's trying to say, "I've got a strong hand. I'm potting it." You know, and and I think by raising right here against this guy, especially, would be the biggest mistake ever. I think I could see a lot of novice players check raising here because there's so many bad river cards and a spade right. and a nine and a jack. No, 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 no. The play is call 100. percent I'm setting the trap. I'm going to continue setting the trap. If I'm ahead, I'm way ahead. If I'm ahead, I'm 80 to 90% favorite right now, and he's probably just going to pump the river no matter what. And if, God forbid, I happen to be here, which I am going to be sometimes, sometimes. I'm going to lose the minimum. Right. Yeah, and that's value, another reason and, and, to call. And value, and value my turn of life. So on the turn, when it was your turn to act first, yes. you said, I don't want to reveal the strength of my hand. I'm I don't want to give 100%. any there was no kind doubt. of... No doubt. No doubt. I don't want to give any indication of the strength of my hand. And you kept that philosophy after your opponent showed some kind of strength. I mean, he's pretty polarized when he pots it on 4th Street. 
Yes, he is. And so, yeah, so we go with the call check call option. There was never a doubt in my mind that that's the best line against this guy. And the river card comes down to six. Flush doesn't come in. Board pairs. The board is now six, eight, queen, king, six. Great. That's a great board for my hand, especially with the disguising factor in play. And I check the river. And again, just right on cue, not thinking a second about it. Within three seconds, he grabs his entire orange chip stack, which is the 5,000 chip stack. So he doesn't even know the amount he's betting. He just knows he's betting a huge amount. He ends up betting exactly 45,000 into 30,000. So in big blind terms, he's betting about 50 bigs into 33 bigs. And obviously, I sat there, and in my head, the first thought in my head was, this is so effing sick if he's actually got me beat here. And like I, he's got a six or something. Yeah, if yeah, if yeah, if he actually has like a flopped pocket queens, pocket eights, or or somehow, somehow has pocket queens or pocket aces, it's possible. I'm never folding in my entire. I'm never going to fold ever against this guy, or really almost anyone in the spot with how I played the hand. And it took me about six seconds in real time to flick the call out, and he just says, "You're good. You're good." And wow. I saw. You know, he shows the jack ten. He had jack ten. So Jack Ten, Jack Ten makes sense. Jack, he had Jack Ten offsuit. Jack Ten offsuit makes perfect sense. He checked back the flop, drawing to the gut shot, straight draw. He now turns an open ender yeah. and can rep a king and win the hand and sure. pots it. Sure. And then just decides to I'm just gonna go crazy and try and win this on the river. And he's been wow. not showing a lot of sign strength, and that's what catapulted my stack up to a really healthy stack. And I kind of just ran it up from there. And yeah, yeah, I, I could tell you. I mean, I have made. I think so much money in my career checking and calling to very aggressive players. We always learn, like, if you have a poker coach or, you you know, you study the videos on Tournament Poker Edge or wherever else, you, know, you have to be aggressive. Right? It's very important to be the aggressor in the hand. I'm telling you, when I have a blaster, I like that word, if I have a blaster on my left, I like to give him some rope to hang himself with, you know? Blaster's going to blast. you gotta, <laughs> you, you got you got to give him the rope, and I think that's kind of... Again, I think that's a big mistake that a lot of novice players make is like check raising the turn or betting the turn. Why? What's yeah. what's the point here? I mean, I want him to bluff. I want him to semi bluff. Don't be concerned about bad rivers and you know, especially in this spot. Once I took the line of check calling pre, like I'm disguising my hand. I'm going to continue with that trend, and obviously it worked out really nicely. Yeah, it sure did. You end up winning this big pot, and then you end up making the the final table of that tournament. So. Yeah, I end up bagging up uh, second and chips for my flight, and went into day two second and chips and. Went into day three, third and chips with 20, 22 left, wow. 22 left, and ended up finishing fifth place for 46, which is bittersweet uh, when you finish fifth when there's that much money up for grabs. It was like 193 for first, but I'm, I'm happy with how I played. And like you said, hopefully uh, when everyone's listening to this, I'm, I'm still in day three of the 10K, 15 million. Yeah, and, I hope you're bagging up yeah, there too. Yeah. Well, I see you're getting another phone call from Jeff Boski. He, oh, must, well, really, yeah. he, must, he must really want to uh, talk to you. He's on dinner break of the 1K. So. Uh, okay, he yes. probably wants to run through some hands with you. Listen, uh, I really appreciate you coming on the podcast. Again, guys, check out Michael Loncar. Really entertaining. He's a professional commentator who's doing Twitch streams, playing on ACR where he's a sponsored pro. So it's twitch.tv slash Poker. Yes, right? yep. All right, great. And where else? Um, I'm also uh, Long Car Poker on YouTube, which I'm going to be coming out with a lot more content moving forward here over the next number of months. Very cool. And uh, yeah, like you said at the beginning of the of the of the podcast here, OSS series is running hard on ACR, and 
as I say when I talk about it, it's it's kind of they kind of make a, they make ACR a must play every day of the week outside of Sunday when OSS is running because there's literally big guarantees at every buy-in level all the way down to $5 buy-ins to you know the 1Ks and the 2Ks and everything in between and just love that America's card room has made online poker great again in the United States. Yeah, it really has and I like you know especially about this particular series it's the first time they finally got the five card PLO. I like PLO. Yes. I like five card. I'm like, you know, I'm a D-Gen with yes, all that. Yes. So it's nice. Like The game selection is getting better. The guarantees are going up. Things are really good at ACR. Yeah, and in fact, thanks again for reminding me about the five card PLO because I actually have I've got a bunch of friends who love five card PLO and they live in Europe. ACR is global, man. you got great players playing from all, all over the world and it's always cool to see you know, players playing from like literally every country now. Yeah, and, and I've seen Lithuania, Costa Rica, Russian yeah, Federation, yeah. crushers from everywhere, and and that's that's one of the best things about America's Cardam is you can lay in bed in your underwear and play on your laptop and be battling <laughs> against good players. Not if you're streaming. Not if you're streaming. Not if you're streaming, guys. Don't do that if you're streaming. But yeah, it, it's really cool to play against players from all over the world. It's cool to see ACR expanding into other countries and. It's it's awesome, man. Yeah. Well, I think you're pretty awesome. So really good to meet you, and thanks for coming on the podcast. Thanks again for having me, man. Looking forward to re-listen to this when it comes out. Thanks again for having me on. Absolutely. Great job. Uh, so for Michael Longcar, for everyone at America's Card Room, our sponsor, we cannot thank enough. And for everyone here at Tournament Poker Edge, I'm Clayton Fletcher. Thank you so much for listening. I wanna hold them like they do in Texas, please. Fold them, let them hit me, raise it, baby, stay with me. Log in, intuition, play the cards with babes to start. And after she's been hooked, I'll play the one that's on her heart. Oh, whoa, 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 whoa. I'll get her heart, show her what I Fun, fun, fun.